I would encourage uh, lawyers or young lawyers to do something that scares you outside of law. Do something that's going to push you in different ways, uh, whether it be, you know, a, a sport uh, or, you know, marathon running or, or something, because having that type of fear and, and really visceral type of emotions kind of uh, brings the other emotions down a little bit. And, and that's the goal, because the more clinical you can be in litigation, the better you're going to be. Hello and welcome to What's Law Got to Do With It, a lighthearted look at life in law school. I'm Osgood student Adam Lachance. And I'm Professor Richard Haig. And today we're talking about experiential education, kind of, sort of. We'll probably go all over the place today. Um, but we're lucky, lucky enough to have a very special guest uh, in Sean Robichaud, known for his amazing podcast of Counsel, we've nerded out about before on here. Um, if you'd like to, Sean, please uh, introduce yourself. Well, first of all, thank you, uh, Adam and Richard, for having me on. I'm yep. really looking forward to uh, being here today. Um, yeah, so let's uh, let's talk about what law has got to do with it. Anyway, I'm still trying to figure that out, but uh, <laughs> hopefully we can. Just... Uh, yeah, we all are. So. <laughs> yeah, well, so what you're you're almost saying you don't need any introduction. I think you need to tell us a little bit more. All right, sure. Stuff. So I, I'm. Uh, <laughs> All right. Um, I, I am a criminal defense lawyer here in Toronto. Um, I've been practicing now for about 15 years. Um, started off uh, summering and not thinking I wanted to get into criminal law, but once I got a taste of it, there was no turning back. It's, it's, like, a, it's like a fine drug. And so uh, once uh, that started, I moved into my articles at uh, Pinkowski's, which at the time was one of the biggest criminal firms in Canada. It might have actually been, and uh, quickly loved what I was doing. Um, got a lot of a trial experience, uh, intense litigation experience quickly. And from there, I started my own practice, I think about five years into it, and moved around different um, chambers. And in the process of this too, I also started up a law chambers, which is now a separate business to what I'm doing uh, called King Law Chambers. And that is home to about 75 lawyers now. And those lawyers uh, practice in a wide range of, of areas, everything from, you know, immigration, employment, family, um, business, um, you name it. And so it's nice to have this sort of eclectic opinion bouncing around all the time. But at heart, I'm a criminal lawyer. I like going to trial and cross-examining people and yeah. all the fun things that come with that. So Yeah. Well, and Adam, you're, uh, you're destined, aren't you, for criminal law? That's what I think. And then I'm going to do it. <laughs> and I'm going to change my mind very quickly. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, yeah, you never know. <laughs> yeah, look, exactly. Look, look what happens. It's a, it's a type of law I find that, you know, once you get into it, it's really hard to um, go back from. And, you know, when we read criminal law um, cases in law school, they have a lot of very interesting content to them. They've got great stories. You know, when I look at police synopses that on a day-to-day you always think it's the type of story that someone would say, you'd never believe what happened to me this weekend. Mm -hmm. So it's always a good story, um, maybe a tragic story too, but it's, it's certainly interesting. And I think that type of um, content keeps your adrenaline flowing and keeps you working longer hours than you would normally do um, when you're not too interested in it. And the other thing about criminal law is it's, it's very real in that when you come into work in the morning, and you have a client meeting, that client is there in front of you and they're um, upset about what has happened to them and how they felt their rights were violated and how they've entrusted you to ensure that 
all of those things um, are dealt with in court properly. So that type of weight um, gives you uh, motivation, but it also comes with with a lot of heaviness on a day to day. And, um, you know, that's one thing that when you're first starting off doing it, Adam, I think you'll think is really fun. But after 10 years, that cumulative effect of that stress of of the day to day um, does wear you down. So be prepared for that. And I think it's really important that you reach um, some sort of balance, not you, but one reaches a balance in trying to achieve that. And for me, it's finding other um, distractions, shall we say, yeah. through podcasts and uh, my kids yeah. and, and, and yeah. trying to really uh, recalibrate myself each weekend so I can get back to it. Cool. Where did you go to law school? I went to Queens. I went to Queens for undergrad and law school. Um, I met my wife there and she has three degrees there. So we spent a lot of time in Kingston. Gave him a lot of money. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Right. Queens is rubbing their hands in glee. (laughs) Yes, that's right. But then then I did actually um, do my LLM at Osgoode and uh, I I loved it. I I had amazing professors. That type of program, it was a part-time LLM program that's taught down in uh, Dundas Street, the Professional Development Center. That, I think, was one of the best choices I've ever made in my career because, you know, doing your LLM um, in that particular program teaches you to write a lot better. It teaches you to think about broader concepts and sort of what we're doing in this system uh, in a broader sense. But also, I think one of the most valuable things is just sitting down with criminal law colleagues, whether they're crowns or defense lawyers or even judges, and having just types of discussions and sharing perspectives that you wouldn't see otherwise. So it was a very good time in my life, and I'm very happy that I completed it. So, yeah, with those three combined is how um, is, is where my education comes from. Fair enough. So that's a, that acts as a good segue into the idea of experiential education. Mm-hmm. Uh, Osgood likes to tout its uh, intensive and clinic, uh, like the breadth of what it has here, mm-hmm. and it does. Like when I have to apply soon again for next year, but there's a big list to look at of different things you can do. Um, I'm currently in the Innocence Project here. I believe you did the criminal intensive. In at Dalhousie. At Dalhousie, yeah, yeah. Yes, I yeah, did Sorry, that. yeah, at Dalhousie. Yes. And yeah. did you do any uh, clinics or intensives or anything along those lines? Yeah, I did. I did the um, Queen's Legal Aid um, program, a clinic program there. There's a couple good programs at Queen's. One is that, and the other is the um, clinical correction program. And I think at the time you could only choose one. So I got into, just like you, was on a wait list and got into the Queen's Legal mm-hmm. Aid Clinic. And that was um, very good because it got you um, understanding what you're doing in a practical sense. So like I was talking about before, you're dealing with the real problems of individuals. They're getting kicked out of their home or they've been charged with a serious speeding ticket and they're coming to the clinic and talking to you and figuring out, you know, how do they deal with this, especially with limited means. Uh, so if you, it, it's a really good way to know whether you want to do the type of uh, work in the end, because mm-hmm. a criminal law firm is really just a glorified clinic, right? I mean, yes, you may be charging money and everything like that, but that clinical work is is just an a, expansion upon that. So I quite enjoyed that, and I learned a lot of people skills during the course of that. Good practice management intake, things that you know, those types of structures that you need later on when you're opening opening up your own practice. Yeah, I think that Osgood has something like seventeen, nineteen, various clinical uh, programs like that. So it, it does tout itself as being one of the, the, the best law schools in Canada for, for that for experiential learning. But I think it's true, though, that you, I did the criminal, criminal clinic. You're, you've done the innocence. innocence yeah. The things you learn in, in those en- environments are just so diff- vastly different. Yeah. 
what I try to teach in a classroom and I think it's law refreshing. requires both. It's definitely refreshing. That's what I, my first impression was. This is nice. <laughs> it's just so different from, as you kind of get tired of the class after, you know, halfway through first semester of first year. So it's nice to mix it up a little bit. <laughs> I guess, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, formal education, I think, you know, obviously it's it's essential. We need that. And I know Osgood is very strong in that regard too in, in that you develop the thinking skills you need as a lawyer. But um, with the clinical, there's never, there's not one client that I helped during my clinic, even that was about 20 years ago, that I've forgotten. You know, I remember about the landlord-tenant issue that happened. Mm-hmm. I could pick up the case tomorrow and see where we're at. <laughs> yeah, you know, I remember, yeah. But I wouldn't re- necessarily remember all the cases and everything that yeah. I've studied, particularly outside of criminal law. Um, so uh, you definitely take those skills and lessons with you. I think um, certainly in a more explicit way than you would in the formal education side of things. Yeah, they definitely imprint on you. I, <laughs> I, I, I will... I'll, I'll regale you with a story in a minute about my experience in criminal intensive at Dell. But uh, just to back up a sec, you were talking about the LLM program. I taught with Don Stewart uh, oh. the charter course in that course. Did you? Did they still have that the the char- the charter and and its impact on criminal law course? Yeah. yeah. And- if I recall correctly, I took it, but I don't remember exactly. I don't but think I Don have was a, teaching it anymore. No, you know? Don's since retired. Yeah. Um, and I was very fortunate to have a few courses with him while I was at Queens. Uh, him and Gary Trotter, just now Justice mm-hmm. Gary Trotter, the Court of Appeal. Um, uh, Professor Manson and uh, the late uh, Ron DeLille. So I was very, very lucky to have these great um, uh, educators. Yeah. Um, Queens has always had a very strong criminal yeah. Back, criminal law faculty. They're very proud of it and they continue yeah. to be. So I know now um, we just interviewed Lisa Kerr, who's a specialist in prison law, and uh, she's taking great pride in trying to take over the reins. And I know she gets a lot of uh, mentorship from Don Stewart in that way. And so, yeah, yeah. I, I hope it continues along those mm-hmm. lines. Yeah. We at Osgood scooped Lisa Dufresnoy away. Oh, from yes, me. you did. That's right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I need to hear, I need to hear your criminal law intensive story that you've okay, been holding Okay, well, back. I don't want to take up too much time, but I'll try to be very concise. And of course, there is a part of this came out in the, my story about being in the criminal intensive on some other podcast. Yeah. But anyway, so <laughs> the idea was that I would, at, at the end of the criminal intensive, you get to, to argue a real case. And I had been assigned to a defense lawyer. Other colleagues in uh, Adele were assigned either to a crown or to judges. So I met with the client. I told my defense lawyer, yes, this is a, we should take this case. She'd been charged with theft under. I think she'd gone to a supermarket and bought things and forgot that she had a roast pork in her pocket and, and got, yeah, got through the checkout and then was immediately apprehended with this uh, unpaid for pork roast. And when I interviewed her, she said, no, no, I, I forgot. I didn't. I didn't, I, I'd forgot that it was there. And I thought, oh man, that's a mens rea problem. <laughs> I'll, so then my supervisor said, yeah, if you think that's valid, we'll take that to court. So we went to court and I'd fully prepared a defense. And I only learned the day before that my colleague in the program was, who was assigned to the crown was going to be prosecuting the case. So it was two students wow. from Dal up in front of an old judge, old crotchety judge, as we'll see. <laughs> And we went through the case. He, he did his bit. He goes first. He goes to Crown. He, he pulled, brings up witnesses. He got, has a cop. He gets the cop to explain, you know, as a, in my limited actus reus, mens rea, that was all fine. Had a witness from the supermarket, did the same thing. So that, that was the Crown's case. 
judge looks at me, defense, do you have anything? I said, yeah, I'll, I'll, I want to cross-examine the police because in my mind, the police had not said that they'd read the rights under the charter and the charter was so new then. So mm-hmm. I, <laughs> my cross-examination, basically I said, oh, so you never, ex- you never said in your direct testimony that you uh, read the accused rights under the charter. So you didn't read the rights, obviously. And he said, oh no, yeah, we did. <laughs> so then I put my witness on my defense. The judge says, all right, we've heard, I've heard all the evidence. I've heard all I need to hear. And he said, uh, guilty. And that was the decision. She'll be fine, blah, blah, blah. But because it's a, it's a uh, classroom setting, he then says, Okay, so now I've determined the case, but I'd like to speak to the council and talk to them about their performance because I understand that you are part of a class. And I think, oh, okay, good. We're going to get some feedback. And he, he looks at the crown. He said, crown, that was terrible. That's one of the worst uh, <laughs> instances of lawyering I've ever seen. You forgot, you forgot one of the elements of the offense. You need to ask the police that the charter rights have been read. That's, uh, that's just a no-brainer. You didn't do that. Terrible, terrible crown. I, I, you know, I don't know what they teach you at law school. And then he looks at me, he says, I don't even think you should be in law school, defense lawyer. <laughs> said, you absolutely had the case won if you'd just shut up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why did you open up the avenue of the charter rights when they had not been? Uh, anyway, so that... <laughs> It, that was my, so that's why I'm no longer, I was telling <laughs> John earlier, I, I'm, I don't practice criminal law, even though I wanted to in law school. No, that's not quite true. But yeah, that was my experience. It was quite humiliating. Uh, now I feedback. teach law instead of <laughs> practice it. Right? But it is, it is an important lesson. I think, you know, in criminal law, it's very hard to think you have enough and, and forget about the burden that the crown has. It's a very high burden. And it's tempting to stand up and say, I just want to correct this little detail. And if this police officer will just say this, it never works that way. And having the confidence to just be content with uncertainty. You know, as I often say to my clients, um, the more uh, anxious you feel about things, the better I feel, because that means we all don't know what's going Uh on. And that means you win. Reasonable doubt. Right. And so that's hard. Psychologically, that's hard. And I think it's something a lot of younger lawyers need to. come to terms with, you know, I often see younger lawyers with the idea that I'll simply break this witness like a few good men and get them to admit the following. <laughs> um, but, you know, the lawyers who say no questions are the ones that, you know, have now mastered the confidence in saying, all right, you're, you're, and, and that type of uh, non-question <laughs> often raises the eyebrows of judges more than the questions of the epiphany admissions is saying, because what you're really saying to the judge is, I'm confident with the case and I don't need to deal with this. And Right. So, you, yeah, but yeah, it's a enough. strategic, it's a it, tough decision though. It's got to be at some, some times. Sure. Really to, and, and too, we, even, you know, there's a lot of personal satisfaction in seeing you know, a witness break down. So, yeah, you know, you, even I, if, even if you feel you got the case, you still want to, you know, dig it in a little as bit. As you but. say, though, it's not about you. It's about no, the case. Yeah, but, yeah. Well, my supervisor was very good after that because she said to me, and it, this was early days of the charter. So mm. she said, you know, I, we don't really know who has to bring up the charter stuff. It's very, uh, it's very uncertain at these stages because the Supreme court hadn't even uh, rendered a single case on the right. charter yet, which was nice of her to say, although I think, <laughs> in the, I think in the, you know, think about it now. Yeah. It was, that is the crown's burden. But I, I think the interesting, the, the more interesting lesson here is, is exactly what we were just talking about. And that is 
clinical experience is essential to be able to, you know, fall down a few times and, and pick yourself up and say, oh, okay, that's, that's what happened there. Because without that, it's, it's uh, one thing to make mistakes in law school. It's quite another to have someone go to jail as a result of one stupid question, right? And so yeah, yeah. it's great that Osgood has these types of clinics to do these sorts of things in real time and get feedback. They do. There's, uh, yeah, there's no better training ground than a kind of a practice environment that the university offers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're right. Like this evening, uh, I should be preparing for a uh, like a mock bail review hearing in uh, Mara Green's like seminar class. Great. So I'm planning to make some mistakes this evening and right. <laughs> learn from them. Right. You know, you get nervous before you do it, which is probably a good sign that it, it's going to be. You still get nervous, Sean? Um, I don't. Um, no, maybe I should, but I, I just <laughs> kind of get in a bit of a zone. Um, I just try and get in my head and, and it's hard to talk to me on the days of litigation because my mind is just very focused on the structure that's before me and what I need to put forward. And I'm focusing more on consciously pacing myself, being very careful and choosing my words, uh, things that, you know, um, don't really have to do with emotion so much. Uh, don't get me wrong. Afterwards, when the decision comes down one way or the other, then it's, it's strange to come away because you almost go from being a complete sociopath into someone who's very um, fe- feeling it in an emotional sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I should say too that I, over the years I've tried to quell that even more because what I've learned is, you know, criminal law is very much a roller coaster and you have to try and level that out for yourself personally. If you want to feel the highs of, of a not guilty verdict in the highest sense, then you're going to feel the lowest of the lows on a guilty verdict. So my view is you're better to be very clinical about it and just say, you know, I presume like a doctor does, that today you're doing an operation and whether that person lives or dies, you can't let it, mm-hmm. you know, um, bring you down for the next day or bring you too high and become overconfident. Um, if anything, I want to feel cynical of my cases. I want to be the most cynical person in the room because if I'm the most cynical person in the room and I feel that I can, I still see the path to winning it, then that's going to help my client. So, and, and this yeah. is a bit of a struggle from a client relations point of view, because if I'm being honest with them, they often feel that I don't quote, believe in their case. And what I try and explain to them is that my beliefs have nothing to do with this. I've never once, you know, it's, it's, I think it's shocking for them to say that I've never once thought about what your case is on a personal level. I don't think of things that way. Just like as a doctor doesn't think, does this person deserve to have cancer right, because right. they smoked? You just, yeah. this is what's dealt to me. And I've now figured out the way I think we can win this. Um, but, um, but to the clients, that's hard because they want to hear that the client, that the lawyer believes that they're not guilty. Right. Some personal right. Well, a connection that you, as you say, you, that's, that's, so, so what I say now to the clients is let me put it another way. I certainly don't believe you're guilty, right? It's, it's, it's the negative. I don't, I don't just don't take a position. I don't take, yeah. I don't believe you're guilty. I don't believe you're not guilty. I just don't believe, I don't care in a sense. Right. I just I have care a job about what the to evidence do. is. That's right. Yeah. yeah. But okay, so backing up, because obviously when I see students in moots and things like that, the nerves are jangling. Mm-hmm. You must have been nervous at some point, And then you say that obviously it's tailed off. When did it go away? Because I always try to tell students, don't worry, you, you know, you, this is practice. It will, you'll, you'll get more confident and you won't, your nerves won't affect you the way they do. Yeah. You know, I, if I'm being honest, I mean, I think the answer that students would like to hear is that over time it gets better. <laughs> But if I'm going to be honest with what I truly feel, it's, it's this. 
is I've I've never personally um, felt the strong degrees of emotion that other people might um, suffer with from this type of um, litigation stress. And I think partly that comes from, um, you know, I used to um, work uh, in outside of the law. And and when I worked outside of the law, I I worked in situations where, um, uh, to use an example in particular, I used to work on a bungee tower. I used to work as a river guide. And I say that because in those contexts, um, things are really scary. You know, like you, you, you've had, I've had a few moments where I think, you know what, I may not actually live here. And, and when you put that into perspective, um, you realize that, you know what, a courtroom isn't so bad. And why, why I say all that is because I think it's really important if you, if you do have a problem with nerves, I would encourage, uh, lawyers or young lawyers to do something that scares you outside of law, do something that's going to push you in different ways, uh, whether it be, you know, a, a sport uh, or, you know, marathon running or, or something, because having that type of fear and, and really visceral type of emotions kind of uh, brings the other emotions down a little bit. And, and that's the goal, because the more clinical you can be in litigation, the better you're going to be. When I start to see a crown get emotional, I know that I've got the upper hand. Mm. I know that I'm winning mm. and I want to see them yelling. I want to see them get upset because I know they're losing the jury and the judge and they're not thinking clearly anymore. And I also try and be conscious that if I start to feel frustrated, I will step back and say, no matter what's happening here, you have to bring yourself back to this clinical level. So anyway, just, I would say, get perspective on things that, you know, know there's a lot worse things to be doing out there than litigating in a courtroom. You could be taking gunfire. You could be trying to save someone from a building right now. You could be operating on a four-year-old child who has cancer. You know, there's, there's perspective. Yeah, that's a, that's a great piece of advice. And it comes with a good time because we're about, we're about at time here. Oh, we got to ask some of the, the basic <laughs> okay. questions that we ask. We've taken this from you though. They're not the same, not necessarily the same. So we often ask our guests, what's your favorite film or TV show that's law related? I don't watch a lot of TV. The only TV I watch is basically Family Guy and Arrested Development. Um, because when I, time I get home, the last thing I want to be doing is, is more law. Yeah. That being said, um, I, if I had to choose one, I think uh, the best legal movie I've seen is um, Lincoln Lawyer. Uh, and, um, you know, it's Matthew not just because Matthew McConaughey is, and he's, <laughs> is the uh, best. It, yeah. But also, um, I think it's very accurate. And, and one of the best scenes there is where he is cross-examining um, a complainant on a sexual assault. And what you'll notice in that is it's not a few good men. She doesn't break down and just say, fine, it never took place. You're a witness, Mr. Allen. Ms. Campo, have you engaged an attorney to sue Louis Roulet for the events that happened on the eve of March the 6th? No, I haven't. Have you talked to an attorney? I haven't hired anyone. No, or... Have you talked to one about a possible lawsuit? It was nothing more than talk. Did you ask if you could sue him for damages? I thought what you say to lawyers is private. If you wish, you can tell the jurors. I think I'd like to keep it private. Okay. And he leans over to the prosecutor at some point and says, You're dying the death of a thousand razors up there and you don't even know it. And that's exactly the way cases are won. Right. It's not about the winning blow. It's not about the uppercut punch. It's about just sustained um, cutting away at the case so that reasonable doubt is raised. And that's how 
to best win criminal cases. That was great. As somebody who didn't watch uh, movies or TV, are you going to ask? Are you going to ask? No, no, I can't. I already asked the last episode. I guess it's not last episode anymore because I asked Heather your question that you asked oh, and yeah. I put her on the spot. I was, well, I was going to say, she answered has anyone, it beautifully. Has, has anyone, anyone ever asked, asked you yeah. your own question? Uh, they haven't. I did hear Heather answer that. She okay. did answer so that very, well, very well. She did on the spot too, which is yeah. very impressive. Yeah, so I think the the question was, what would be my primetime commercial on a um, <laughs> on a on a Stanley Cup game? Yep. Yes, hundred um, percent. You know, I haven't really thought about it. even even listening to it, Heather. I didn't really think about my own perspective. But what I think is really important and something that I'm trying to do a lot. I'm, I'm running um, to become a bencher for the Law Society shortly, and and one of the really strong tenets I I'm um, behind on all this is that there's a profound disconnect between lawyers and the public. And we as lawyers uh, as a whole need to do better to let the public know that we are approachable, that we're often not unaffordable, um, that we want to help, that we're just people. And that was really part of my motivation in doing of counsel uh, is to just, you know, demystify what we are. We're just people and, and, you know, we do different things. And I, people are often surprised. They'll call our firm and I pick up and they're like, oh, I didn't expect to get you. And how much is this <laughs> going to cost? And I'm like, just relax. Let's just chat. What happened? Yeah. Right. And so uh, my primetime commercial would be something along the lines of, you know, your lawyer is just a member in the community. Give them a call, talk to them and see how they can help. We want to help. And it's not going to cost you money uh, until you know very clearly it's going to. And even then you'll be in a very informed position. Um, I need some marketing help with that because, <laughs> yeah, yeah. because it's probably not the it's best not, yeah. pitch. Yeah. You, know, you need some like uh, KFC type yeah, chicken yeah. in the background. Or <laughs> but uh, anyway, that'd oh, be that was good. And in, in a way, that's a lot of what we're trying to do on, with demystifying law school experience. Yeah, right. Or not, it's the not same Lord, perception but, going of what law school is yeah. before you go to it. Right? Yeah, yeah. No, it's great. And that's what it's I took. just normal life. <laughs> yeah. From your podcast, you definitely get that feeling. And you know, like your, your title, it says, what, what's law got to do with it? I think it's important that people know that, you know what, law school is just more school and, and, um, you know, it's great. There's a lot of great things like clinics and people and the professors you meet. And it's not as the, it's, it's not as a high of a pedestal that I think a lot of the public feels that it is. Right. Yeah. Yep. Well, and certainly when they listen to me, they think, oh, yeah, they're like, wow, <laughs> is that guy a prof? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, thank you guys. very much for coming on. We do oh, appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Anytime. Yeah.